Well, happy Easter Sunday. So good to see you here this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and make your way to John chapter 20. Verse 11 is where we're going to start at today. Uh, if you are guests here with us or tuning in online, happy Easter to you as well. We're special, especially thankful to have you tuning in with us. Grateful for that. And if you are new to church or you're new to the Bible, when we say John, it's a book of the Bible. They weren't real creative with names at that point. Uh, this is the man who wrote this book, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the second half of the Bible. And when we say chapter 20, that's the big number that you'll find there. Verse 11 is a small number. And if you do not have a Bible, we have some in our Welcome Center that we would love to give you as a gift today. So they're out there on the rack and they're blue Bibles. Uh, please grab one of those if you don't have a Bible. We want you to be able to read that and hear from God through His Word. And uh, as you turn to John 20, just to show you a little bit about uh, me. Uh, my wife and I got married right at 14 years ago now. And 14 years ago, uh, we are getting ready for the wedding. We're planning things. You know, you... You plan for the wedding and then you have to do the registry, right? And with the registry, you go out and my job was singular to scan whatever my wife told me to scan for our registry. So we're going around to Target and Bed Bath & Beyond and we're scanning and both my wife and I were talking and one of the things that we wanted to get was uh, we wanted fine china, right? We wanted these beautiful plates uh, because what they're beautiful and we thought that... Uh, you know, that we can put good memories into these plates and uh, we'll have just good times as we look back at those plates over the years. And so we purchased these and even after the wedding, when we didn't get all of the plates that we wanted, we returned some of the stuff that we got in order to go back and buy the rest of our fine china. So we have all of our fine china now. Uh, but the crazy thing is, here we sit nearly 14 years later and we've used that fine china twice now. Two times in 14 years we've used that, that fine china. Now, the reason I tell you that is because I feel like what we do a lot of times with Easter and a lot of times we think about the resurrection is we do the exact same thing that my wife and I have done with the fine china. We look at it and we're like, oh, the resurrection is beautiful, right? There's a lot of sentiment to it. We, 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 we love it. We want to think about it. But we only use it maybe like once a year at Easter, right? Or if we go through some major tragedy, maybe we, you know, dust it off and we think about the resurrection again. But I don't believe that that's what Jesus desired for us to do with the resurrection. I don't think he wants it to just be something that's a once a year type of thing or even a once a month type of thing. Jesus gave his life and rose from the dead that we would view all of our lives through the lens of the resurrection. And that the resurrection should apply to our daily lives. We should use the resurrection in our daily lives day in and day out. So it's not just something that happened at one point in history. Yes, that's true. But it should impact our daily lives today. And we're going to look at this passage in John 20 today. And you're going to see two individuals and one group of people who experience the resurrected Christ. They, they see him. They touch him. They interact with him. And every one of them, it's a little different. And there's a different experience that I think you and I can relate to with each one of these people. And so as we look at this passage today, we're going to read a little bit and then stop and then read a little bit more and stop and read a little bit more and just unpack each one of these moments that people interact with the resurrected Christ. Because my hope and my prayer is that today you would clearly see Jesus. But also at the same time that you would clearly see yourself in these stories. That you wouldn't just see this woman, Mary of Magdalene, and say, oh, there's a moment in history about Mary. 
Or, hey, here's this guy doubting Thomas. It's about Thomas and think about him. I believe that we should see Christ, but also see ourselves and even our weaknesses and our sins in the story. So let's dive in first looking at Mary. So this is John chapter 20. Christ has already died and rose from the grave, but nobody knows or understands it yet. So look in verse 11. It says, But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been laying, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Apparently when she realized who Jesus was, she hugs him, she starts to cling to him, and he he says, wait, I'm not done yet with everything, so don't cling to me, for I haven't not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers, that's the disciples, and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. Let's pray. God, today, would you be so kind to show yourself to us in your word, to help us see Jesus in his resurrected power and glory? God, we pray that you would help us see ourselves in this passage of scripture too. Lord, help us to see comforts and peace and grace that you have extended to our daily lives through the resurrection. Lord, I pray for those today who are full of sorrow. Would you give them peace? For those that are full of anxiety this morning, Lord, would you just calm their souls? For those who are struggling to believe, pray that you'd help them to doubt even their doubts, that they would trust in you. God, work like only you can work. And now I would just challenge you to take a moment in this silence just to pray. And no matter where you are in your spiritual walk, just pray and ask God to just speak to you today through his word. Take a moment now and ask him to do that. And pray for me. As we look at this resurrection that, that means everything to us as Christians, just pray that I would be able to communicate this powerful Beautiful truth well today. Pray for me now. Jesus, move in these next 30 minutes in our hearts and our lives in such a way that would change us, God. Convict us, comfort us, and change us, we pray. Amen. All right, so the the first person is, is Mary in this story. And what we have to see is that the resurrection offers comfort to our tears. 
The resurrection offers comforts to our tears. And we see that multiple places throughout this passage, but it starts in verse 11 and it says that Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb and then she wept as she looked into the tomb looking for Christ. And we see it again, the angels ask her, like, why are you crying? And then Jesus even comes on the scene and he's like, hey, why are you crying? Like she is upset and she's weeping in this moment. And I believe when the, the angels ask her right here, why are you crying? They're not, I don't think they're insulting her or belittling her by any means, but I think they're confused in this moment. I genuinely think they're asking the question because they're like, why in the world are you weeping right now? You gotta remember who Mary is. Now, this is not Mary, the mother of Christ. This is Mary Magdalene, one of the followers of Jesus. And she had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. You can read in John 11, she saw Jesus raise her brother from the dead. She heard Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. She had heard Jesus claim that I will die and three days later I will raise from the dead. She had seen Jesus' power to defeat death. She had heard him talk about it. And then here Jesus died and she goes to the tomb and it's empty. And her first thing isn't, wait, what Jesus said is, is true. It happened. And she's excited. That's not what happens. She's weeping and she's crying over it. And the angels are like, what? Did you not hear what Jesus said? Like, why are you crying in this moment? Why are you weeping? She should have known. She should have remembered what Christ had said. But she doesn't. And so she cries. And she tells them why she's crying. She's like, they've, they've taken the body of Christ away. He's my Lord. He's the one I followed and I believed in and trusted in. And now he's gone. Just tell me where he is and just, just point me in the right direction. And as she's looking in there and she's weeping, she's having this conversation, she turns around and sees Jesus, which I really believe there's a little bit of humor in this passage when this moment happens. Like I just picture her looking in the tomb and crying and having this conversation and Jesus almost like looking over her shoulder like, what you looking at? Like what? It's, it's empty. And she's, she, she turns around. She doesn't even see Jesus in this moment. Do you get that? Jesus is, is three feet from her, and she doesn't see him. And today, one of my greatest fears for us as Wescobaris Church is that we would come in here and, and sit in the presence of Christ and not see him. That we'd be three feet from him and we would miss Jesus. That's a fear that I have. That's something I'm praying against this week. God, may we see you and believe in you and trust in you. May we be changed by you. But she's so overwhelmed by her sorrow. In this moment, she's blinded to Christ's presence. That Christ is right there with her. And some of us, it's the same. It could be sorrow over this last year and pain that has blinded you to the presence of Christ. I mean, Jesus says, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. And some of us, our sorrows and our pains have blinded us to the presence of Christ in our lives. And we need to remember that the resurrection shows that there's nothing that can keep us from Jesus. Neither life nor death, nor pain nor suffering. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He is right there with us. Don't miss Christ today. Don't miss Christ with you this Easter. 
remember his resurrection and the power and glory of it and be confident that Christ is there with you. She doesn't see him in this moment until Jesus calls her by name. In verse 16, Jesus says, Mary. And then she sees. She's like, oh my goodness, Jesus called me by name and now I see. And for some of us, the same thing's happening even this week. Like you come here today and you're not probably hearing new information if you've been around church anytime. If you've come at Easter, you're familiar with this. You're not getting new information. Okay, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for my wrongs. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. You're like, yeah, I know that. I've got that. I've heard that again. It's not new information that you need. It's new revelation that you need. You need Jesus to speak to your heart and to call you by name that you would see him. And some of you, I believe that God has been stirring in your heart this last week or even in this last year. And Jesus has been calling you by name. Saying, come and believe. See me in my resurrection power and have hope. I mean, Jesus in this moment, he's, he's wiping away her tears with his resurrection. Don't miss, don't miss that encouragement for you today. Some of you have been convicted over your sins and over your wrongs, and you have wept over them, but you haven't repented from them. And there's a huge difference between seeing what you've done is wrong and then crying over them and saying, no, I'm going to flee from that. I'm going to trust in Christ that he died to forgive me of these things and he's washed me clean and I will trust and believe in him. And the resurrection gives us that hope and that peace to know if he can defeat death, he can defeat all of my sins and addictions. And so I will rest in his resurrection. The tears that I cry, he will wipe away because he has forgiven all of them if I would look to them and confess them to him. And for others of us, the resurrection should give us hope in some of our deepest pains and sorrows that we've had over this last year. I know, I, I know that some of you in the room, this has been one of the hardest years of your lives. And I know that because I've walked with you through some of the hardest days this last year. Some of you have lost parents this last year. Some of you have lost spouses or friends. You've lost them to death. Some of you have just been just in extreme pain and suffering this last year. And we need to remember that the resurrection of Christ gives us that comfort that we so desperately need. That those that trusted and believed in Jesus, though they die, yet they live. And if we believe and trust in Jesus, we will see them again. And we have hope in that because of the resurrection. We look at forward to it with joy of those that are in the presence of God even now. And even on Easter, we can thank him. God, thank you for those in your presence right now because of your death and your resurrection. And it gives us comfort and it gives us peace. In 1 Thessalonians, another book in the Bible, it actually says, don't grieve as those who don't have hope. We have hope. Why? Because of the resurrection of Christ. If he can defeat death, he can change all things. And so we look at Jesus in this moment as he comforts Mary. And we allow it to comfort our hearts and our souls. You see, the resurrection isn't something that's distant, that's, that's out there. No, it's ever present. And we look through even the darkest times of our lives knowing we have hope in Christ. So the resurrection gives us comfort in our sorrows. But it also offers peace for our fears. Look in verse 19. 
Jesus now appears to the disciples. And this is the same day that he's come to Mary. But it says this in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now this is the second moment. Remember, this is the same day. This is the second moment. He's spoken to Mary. Mary has run back. He's, she's told the disciples, hey, Jesus is risen. One of the other gospels, or early, actually earlier in this chapter, it tells us that the disciples run to the tomb to see what Mary has said and whether it's true or not. But now Jesus is appearing to them. And it's interesting, the situation, because they are in their fears. They are in their anxieties. Do you see that in verse 19? They're upstairs in this room, and they have locked the doors. Why? For fear of the Jews. In the, the technical term of what's going on with the disciples right now is they're freaking out. That's the technical term. They are freaking out. We've, we have left everything. The last three years, we've left our jobs. We've left friends. We've left everything behind to follow Jesus. And, man, now Jesus is gone. And if they murdered Jesus, then they're certainly probably coming for us next. I mean, if, if people are saying, well, somebody stole the body of Jesus, they're probably thinking we stole the body of Jesus. And we didn't do it, so let's hide, let's lock ourselves in the room. And they're scared. They're, they're, they're anxious in this moment. They're like, what are we going to do? And the resurrection speaks to their fears. It's encouraging that it speaks to our tears, but it also speaks to our greatest fears in this moment. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he says, peace be with you. He says it twice here to them. Peace be with you. And to be honest, he had to say it in that moment. I mean, imagine you're in a room, doors are locked, you know everybody that's in there, and all of a sudden, boom, right there, there's a man that appears in the middle of the room. Like, I'd need a little bit more than peace in that moment. Like, I need something greater, like a new pair of shorts, because I, I mean, that would just terrify me. <laughs> but, but Jesus comes and he's like, hey, peace, you know, don't, don't worry, don't be fretful, don't fear in this moment. And he speaks peace to them, and he gives them peace in two different ways. He provides peace through his presence. He's there in that moment, and he's like, I know your, your fear is that I'm dead and that I'm gone, and I'm not. He says, look at my hands. Look, look at him. Look at my side that was pierced. See it and know. And they're like, wait, wait, Jesus really is here. Like, he just appeared here, and maybe he could have been a ghost, but no, like, we're touching him, we're feeling it, we're sharing a meal with him. Jesus is here and he's alive. His presence is with us. And then Jesus does something that seems kind of weird as we read it, but he provides his presence through his spirit as well. He says again in verse 21, peace be with you. And then he, in 22, he breathes his spirit on them. Which, we don't know exactly what that looked like in that moment. I don't know if it was like um, a birthday cake wish where Jesus was like, and then like a birthdays are out. Or if he went to each disciple and he like breathed on them, I don't know. It just definitely wasn't COVID friendly though, whatever was going on in that moment. But if you know your Bible, what's happening and why it brings this up is because 
if you go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis, when God creates life in human beings, it says that he breathed on them. He breathed into them. So God at the beginning when he creates us, gives us life. And then Jesus comes here and he gives them the presence of eternal life with him as he breathes his spirit on them. And so one, one instance you have physical life and then Jesus comes and he's bringing eternal life to them as he gives them the Holy Spirit. And it's given to all who would believe now. All who would trust in him. His presence comes and abides in him. Remember when Christ died on the cross and that, that, that curtain in the Holy of Holies is ripped from top to bottom? It's so that Christ could be with us and we could be with him forever. So Jesus is doing that in that moment. He's saying, hey, have peace. I'm with you now. You see me. You feel me. But I'm also giving you my spirit to know that forever I will be with you. Even to the end of the age, I will be with you. His presence gives them peace in that moment. And some of us might think there's no way. There's no way that Christ would want me to be in his presence or that his presence would want to be with me. Like there's a, a deep sense of guilt and shame, maybe even for things you did two years ago or three years ago or five years ago. There's a deep sense of guilt and shame and you live in fear of your past. And you need to know that Jesus even speaks into those moments. Think about this. Jesus is coming here to the disciples. These guys had abandoned Jesus and denied Jesus as Jesus went to the cross and died alone. And when Jesus tells Mary in the verses that we were reading earlier, look back at verse 17. It's fascinating. Jesus tells Mary, hey, go tell the disciples what's happened. But he doesn't use the word disciples here. Verse 17, what does he say? But go and tell my brothers. Jesus doesn't say, hey, Mary, go tell those lousy, no good deserters who abandoned me. Go tell them to get here right now. He could have, and he'd been right to do so. It was true. It was true. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came and he knew their fears of, oh my goodness, if Jesus is alive, what does that mean for us? Like we fled and we abandoned? No, there's, there's love that comes with the resurrection of Christ that speaks to our fears. And Jesus in this moment has come to comfort them with his presence. He's like, I don't care what you've done. I'm here now showing you that you are forgiven and you're freed from your past. Because of what I have done, not what you have done, what I have done. And so Jesus calls them brothers in this moment. They're my, they're my brothers. Let them see the hope and the peace of the resurrection in the midst of their fears. And so he provides this, this peace for them with his presence, but he also does something else that gives them peace. He provides peace through purpose. Did you see this in the text? He shows up, he's like, peace be with you. And then right after that, he says, hey, just as I have been sent, so am I sending you, verse 21 says. For those of us that are confused about what life is all about or what my identity is or where I'm supposed to be going and what I'm supposed to be doing, Jesus speaks peace to you in that moment through his resurrection. He's like, hey, now you know what your point and purpose of life is. It is to glorify me. And so just as I have been sent to bring peace to the fearful, I'm calling you to go and bring peace to the fearful. 
That's what Jesus is doing right now. He's given us a purpose. He's given us a focus and a goal to follow after him and to seek him. And there was this theologian in the 20th century. You'll see a picture on the screen of him. A fascinating guy. He was a missionary and a theologian. His name was Leslie Newbegin. And he lived his life studying theology, and it led him to go for Christ to India, to share the gospel there. And as he was sharing the gospel in all these different parts of India, what was fascinating is he read this passage, and it stirred his soul. And this is what he wrote about this passage that Jesus was sending them. And this is what he said. He said, peace is Jesus' gift to the disciples. But the gift of peace was not for them alone. On the contrary, Jesus had chosen and appointed them to be bearers of shalom, bearers of this peace into a world without life. Forty times in the Gospel of John, Jesus is described as one who has been sent by the Father. And now Jesus sends them to continue and to complete this mission of peace. And that's what sharing the gospel is. It's extending peace to those who are enemies with God. When Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, he's the ultimate peacemaker who made peace with us and God. And he looks at us and he says, now you go and you be peacemakers, sharing the good news of my death and my resurrection. That people wouldn't have to fear anymore the guilt and the shame and the sin and the transgressions of the past. But that they would have hope. And they would have hope in me. And what's amazing about this, this command for us to go that Jesus gives us, when he says, just as I have been sent, I'm sending you, this is the easiest thing to do. You know why? Because you've already done it. God's already done it for you. He's already sent you into your neighborhoods. You don't have to try. You're already there. He's already sent you as a baseball mom in, in Harrisburg Park, right? He sent you. He sent you to your workplace. He's placed you in your family. Jesus has already sent you. You're there. Now the call is, will you bear peace? The peace that we so desperately long for and need. And that's the call that we have. That's what Jesus extends to us, is peace in our fears. And the next person he interacts with is Thomas. Look in verse 24. It's interesting here. What you'll see is that the resurrection offers grace for our doubts. Verse 24, it says this. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So he wasn't with them in that story, that, that moment we just read a moment ago where Jesus showed up. Thomas wasn't in the room. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord but Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. 
Jesus, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas is the biggest skeptic. He's the biggest skeptic in this moment. And, and, he, and he's saying right here, hey, you guys are telling me that Jesus rose from the, the, the dead? I won't believe it until I see the, the, the nail-pierced mark. And then if you read it well, close enough, he doesn't just say, if I see it, I'll believe it. He's like, no, 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 anybody could forge that. I have to touch it. If I touch it, then I'll believe. No, 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 that's still, they could, they could have healed that and somebody could, could live through that. No, 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 not until I feel the pierce in his side from the spear. At that point, then I'll believe that it's really Jesus and he rose from the grave. That's where he is right now. He's a skeptic. He doesn't believe them. All the other disciples are like, we have seen this. And Thomas is like, I doubt it. I doubt it. And what a bummer for Thomas. Because he gets this nickname, Thomas the Doubter. And for all of eternity, like we're going to be in heaven one day and we're going to see Thomas and be like, oh, there's Thomas the Doubter. There he is right there, right? And for Thomas, it's got to be rough because it's like none of the other disciples are, are summarized this way. None of them are marked the way Thomas is marked. Thomas the Doubter. Nobody's like Peter the Proud, Andrew the Arrogant. Like they don't have that title, but, but Thomas has Tom, Thomas the Doubter. Why is that? Why is this name Thomas the Doubter stick with him? And the Bible doesn't tell us. I mean, it doesn't even give him the title Thomas the Doubter. It's something we came up with. But I think the reason why, this is a guess, but I think the reason why Thomas the Doubter sticks is because we can relate to him so much. I think all of us can have those same feelings that, that Thomas had in this moment of like, the resurrection is too good to be true. It, it, it can't be. It can't. And so we relate to Thomas. We get his doubts and his struggles and his issues. We have the same, many of us do. But the grace that Jesus extends in this moment is beautiful. Did you see that? When Jesus shows up here in the room again, he doesn't condemn Thomas. He doesn't say, Thomas, you should have believed based on their word. He does say, hey, more blessed are those who haven't seen and believed. And Thomas, you, you, you should have believed based on their, their testimony. But he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't insult him. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to prove myself to you. I'm just going to prove to myself or prove to you that I, I have rose from the grave, that I am risen. And so he, he invites Thomas. Hey, Thomas, come and touch the marks. Come and feel my body. Come and know that I have rose from the grave. He tells him that. He even says, peace be with you again. Because he doesn't want Thomas to be fearful. There's not judgment and condemnation. There is grace offered to Thomas in this moment. And there's grace offered to you and I in the midst of our doubts and our struggles. Jesus extends that. And my challenge I would have to you, I, I dare you, and I'm serious with this. If you are a skeptic and you're doubting Jesus, I dare you this week to pray, God, prove yourself to me. Jesus, prove yourself to me just like you did to Thomas. I, I dare you. But I would say, if you're going to pray that prayer, the question I have is, would you believe if he did? Would you believe if he did? Would you believe in Jesus if he proved himself to you? 
And I'm not saying showing up and allowing you to touch his hands and things like that. There's other ways that God can prove who he is to you without a shadow of a doubt. And if he did, would you believe in him? And there is a huge difference, and this is important today, there's a huge difference between believing in Jesus and believing that Jesus, okay? Huge difference. There's a difference between saying, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose. Like, I believe that. Or I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe in that, that he died for my sins and he rose from the grave. And the best way I can think of to describe this, the difference between believing that and believing in, is this past week um, was opening day baseball. Praise the Lord for that. Um, Easter's way up there. Baseball's down, but it's still on the totem pole somewhere. But baseball started this last Thursday. And uh, there's a team that uh, you'll see a picture of their stadium here. There's a team that is um, up in Boston. And I believe that there's a team up in Boston, a Major League Baseball team. I have experienced this team. I've gone to a game there. I've been to that stadium. I've been behind the scenes of that stadium and seen the locker rooms. Like, I believe that there is a Major League Baseball team that plays at Fenway Park up in Boston. I believe that. I do not believe in said baseball team, okay? And there's a huge difference, okay? I believe that they're there but I don't watch their games, I don't wear their colors, like I don't root for their players, I don't do those things. I, I believe that they exist, but I don't believe in them. Now the Yankees on the other hand, that's the team I believe in, right? I believe that they can win the World Series. And, and I know some of y'all are Red Sox fans, and that's okay, uh, the gospel's for all peoples, and we, and we all need it. Um, and so there's a huge difference. You see the difference between believing in something and believing that something happened? Some of us have heard the Easter story so much, we're like, yeah, I believe that. But the question is, do you believe in? Are you a part of that team? Are you believing in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Are you allowing him to change your life? Are you looking at the resurrection with hope and glory and comfort and peace? God extends grace to the doubter. He does. He does. And it's something that's really important. We have to see this. We have to understand this. You can fully believe and not fully understand. You need to hear that this morning. You can fully believe and be saved by Christ, but not fully understand. I was saved years ago. And I've been to seminary and I've studied the Bible. And I know more than I knew when I was saved years ago but I'm no more saved than I was that day when I gave my life to Christ and he redeemed me. I'm no more saved than that day. So you, you're like, I don't understand this. Like where do dinosaurs fit in the Bible? And how's, if you don't understand and all that, that's okay. You don't have to fully understand every single thing in order to fully believe. Thomas didn't in this moment. Jesus shows up and Thomas doesn't have all his questions answered at this time, but he looks at Jesus and he says, you are my Lord and my God. Like in this moment, he confesses, Jesus, you, you are who you say you are. You are the Lord and you are my God, and I submit to you. And even today, for any of us that would have the same cry as Thomas, God, you are my Lord. And maybe even your prayer is, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Jesus extends grace to that. For the doubter today, maybe the, the, the biggest thing you need to do is start to doubt your doubts. 
You need to start wondering, why are you not believing in Jesus? Why are you not trusting in him? He's given you everything you need to trust in him today, to believe in him. So my question is, do you want to believe? Do you want to believe that Jesus lived that perfect life that we couldn't live and that he died in our place and rose from the grave so that we could have life and life everlasting? Do you want to believe that? Do you want to believe today that you don't have to be defined by your past? You can be defined by Christ and the forgiveness in him. Do you want to believe that today? Do you want to truly believe that Jesus loves you, not a future version of you that you hope to be one day. Jesus loves you for who you are right now. And he died for who you are right now. Do you want to believe that today? If so, Jesus would say, come. Come with your sorrow and your fears. Come with your, your doubts. Come to me and believe in me. Will you believe today? Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the hope of the resurrection. God, we thank you that you extend to us salvation through your life and your death and your resurrection. God, it's open for any who would believe. And so I would say today, if you want to believe, then, then do it now. Pray to God. Use this just moment of silence. I'm just going to give you just a couple, couple moments here. Take that time to pray to God that he would save you and claim for who he is. You are my Lord and my God. I bring my doubts to you, my sorrows to you, my fears to you. Would you forgive me? Take a moment now to pray that God would save you. Pray now. sins and save you, you've confessed him as Lord, then know you are saved. But even the next step is knowing that Jesus will look at you and say, now you are sent. Well, I just got saved, yes, but Jesus will look at you and say, just as I have been sent, I'm sending you. So he would look at the believer and he would say, go, go share the good news of the resurrection gospel to the world. Father, God, I thank you for the salvation that you have brought. God, thank you for sending us, but giving us the, the power and the might through your spirit to go and proclaim the good news of the resurrection. God, help us to go with joy as we share the good news. Because, Lord, we confess you are our God and you are our Lord. Help us to live for you today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.